Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. I'm Brian. We as always are Zach and Vince. The boys are back in town. The three of us are back together after a few weeks apart. And we're here to talk about Aquaman number one, written by Chuck Brown and Brandon Thomas, illustrated by Sammy Bossery. So we've been talking the last few weeks about the end of both Black Manta and Aquaman the Becoming that we're leading into this issue. And um, Zach, let's start with you. What did you think of this first issue of the new Aquaman ongoing? Um, I thought it looked really good. I thought it was an interesting premise. But I thought it felt a little... I, I kind of wish it had been an oversized issue because I thought that the point that it ended was a little awkward. It essentially ended on the same point that Aquaman the Becoming ended on? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish it had gone like a little bit further than this. Like maybe if we had just gotten an extra 10 pages or so with it being kind of like a debut issue that is combining these two series that we had been seeing. Um, I think it's a really interesting premise with like, you know, Atlantis joining the United Nations and that that happening at the same time that there are all these Atlantean sleeper agents just kind of waking up around the world and Arthur and Jackson and Black Manta, I forget his his human name. <laughs> David Hyde. David, okay. All kind of like dealing with that separately and then coming together at the end. It's it's really it's a really good premise, I think. Um I just wish it had we had gotten a little bit more of a look at kind of what the shape of the series is going to be and what this immediate threat is going to be in this first issue. Yeah, I, I had written down that page 20 should have been page 10. Like if they if they had done everything in the first 20 pages in the first 10 and then gave 10 pages for the fallout to happen, I think it would have uh, been a much better issue. Yeah, I agree. Vince, what do you think? Pretty much the same feelings. Like I think, um, I think it's it, all the pieces are in place. Everything is totally solidly conceived and and well written. Like all the the dialogues, nice and lean, and and tells you everything you need to know and nothing that you don't. And um, I think the premise is a little ordinary or expected. Like um. For example, oh, Ocean Master's back and he's uh, he's mucking it up on the surface world and making Atlantis look bad. But but to him, it's, uh, you know, in service of Atlantis or, you know, he's mad that uh, Arthur is a weak king or whatever, you know, whatever the whatever the typical Ocean Master thing is, you know, so all of that is very ordinary. Um but not poorly done, you know, um, I think, you know, Jackson being overly violent or impetuous or hot-headed or whatever is again, it's like, okay, this is an expected story beat with this character that maybe I guess we thought we were past already, but this is comics. So I guess we're not, um, and like you said, the, the the last page is basically a reveal that we already got in the previous miniseries. So, you know, there's nothing bad about this. It's it's a really lean 
enjoyable read that, that went down extremely easy and it looked great. Um, and you know, the, 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 these are strong writers doing strong work. It's just that so much of this was so expected, I think. Yeah. Last week, Vincey, when you and I were talking about Aquaman, the becoming, we were saying how maybe that was, um, three or four issues of story in a six issue package. And unfortunately, because of that, well, rather because we can't presume that people re- read that or read Black Manta, this first issue kind of has to do the work of catching people up to both of those series. And I have to I had to compliment Thomas and Brown here where I don't think that any of the stuff that happened in this book particularly felt like it was rehashing exactly what happened there. Like it didn't, the word you used is lean. That's a really good word for this. Like it did a good job of reminding you what happened without just taking you beat by beat. Like the closest we came is there's an editor's box that explains why Jackson's mom is in a coma, but -hmm. that's pretty much the closest the book comes to actually repeating anything that we saw in the first, you know, in those two lead up miniseries. So I think that's actually a really good sign for the book to come that the writers can do such strong work reminding us of things, or rather establishing a status quo without just repeating everything we already know. So I, I really did enjoy it from that perspective, but I can't help but feel like we knew all the important stuff here already. And uh, that's just kind of a bummer in general with, with comics, how how things seem to be just even though everyone I know complains about it, things just continue to be decompressed in this yeah. way in comics. And I think um, whenever I read a story like this, I always think like, ah, they just, they need to start trusting. They need to start trusting the reader and that they'll either get it or they will go back and check out the, the series that led into this. But I know that that's unrealistic. Right. And I, not only is it unrealistic, but I kind of think comics have never worked that way. And um, I, I feel like that's a, like I have a false memory of comics that, that used to trust the reader to, to, to know the backstory more, but I don't think that was ever the case. I think, I think you constantly had characters uh, giving exposition about stuff that happened in the past to catch people up. So I think this is just a function of comics that has always existed and kind of annoys me. And so this certainly is not, it's, it's a good, it's a good issue. Um, But again, it's got the trappings of uh, something that, you know, people who have read hundreds of comics in their life um, don't necessarily need, (laughs) you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Zach mentioned this uh, up top, but I, I do want to shout out Sammy Bossery's art, uh, specifically Bossery's Jackson. I really, really enjoy. And I think that Jackson, what, what I like about this is there, there's the sequence where Jackson and, uh, and Arthur are both um, doing battle with uh, Ocean Master and with the, the sort of the giant sea creature. And um Jackson and Arthur are illustrated like completely differently in terms of their like the actions that they are doing. And I think sometimes when you see these act with these fight sequences, you get um, 
the artist can take some shortcuts and, and sort of make both of them look like they're more or less acting in sync of one another. But like Arthur's actions are much more deliberate and slower and not as flashy as what Jackson is doing. And I think that's a really good choice, like character wise and also just a nice way of differentiating them visually when you're in the battle sequences. So I, I think Sammy Bosry did a really, really nice job with this issue. Yeah. Any other Aquaman notes? Um, I liked when the one uh, sleeper agent, uh, I started pooling with blood like Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he, he started mumbling in Atlanta and just like Joe Biden does too. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to get the wrong kind of comments because of these, uh, <laughs> these statements here. <laughs> um but yeah all right well let's move over to deathstroke inc number six written by joshua williamson illustrated by paolo pantalena pantalena rather uh are either of you guys familiar with with uh pantalena's work before this um i liked it better when it was called howard porter <laughs> it is a very similar style yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not familiar. Uh, neither was I. I wasn't sure if I had missed uh, a book that they had done that I wasn't aware of. Yeah, no. It, it looks like '90s image Howard Porter. Yes, if, if that were a thing. Yes, I concur. All right, well, let's talk about it. Um, Vince, what do you think of this issue? I uh, talk about lean. I just I just called Aquaman lean, and this issue is like insanely lean. Um, a couple things happen to move kind of the meta narrative forward, but they happen so quickly and with such little exposition. Like, I'm not sure whether I loved that or hated that. <laughs> like, actually, I think I loved it. I think I, I didn't love the issue, but I loved the way that it was structured. I, I do kind of sometimes wish that comics would move at this pace more because it does feel like two or three issues worth of story. Yes. For what we usually get. Yeah, and yet, and yet, somehow, like w- when you say that, you think, "Oh, that means it's padded with exposition." And no, it's just shit is just happening. You know, there's like there's only like three or four scenes in this whole issue, and like from the time uh, we see the Justice League talking about talking to Ali about uh, Dinah and what she's doing, and and he's like upset that that she didn't tell him that she was working undercover with trust, you know, from, from the moment that that scene starts to Dinah breaking in and then them going to storm castle Deathstroke, that's like two or three pages. And that's an entire, for some, that's, that's an entire, like half of a comic in other comics. That's an entire issue of Bendis justice. Yes. Yes. Thank Yeah. That is exactly. That's perfect. Yes. That's that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I really like this. I, I don't, I don't, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Like I loved some issues of Williamson's Robin that were just like gabagool, you know, but it is operating on a similar wavelength, I feel. And, um, there's even cameos at the end from characters from that book. Um, the art, I, the, what I described as like nineties image, Howard Porter, I, hmm, I didn't hate it. I don't think it's like 
the ugliest thing in the world. And it definitely did the job of delivering the story in, in this, in this really lean muscular way, but it's a little more exaggerated than I, than I like. And that's saying something because, because Howard Porter can be a little bit exaggerated, I think. Um, you, uh, you know what else it kind of reminds me of? Lay it on me. Uh, Carlos Deondo or Deonda. <sighs> yes. It's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Indeed. Um, so yeah, like it, it does the job, but I don't necessarily love the style, which, you know, that's fine. I'm sure there's some people that really like it. Um, but my, more, more than anything, I was just impressed with how, again, just how the story was delivered. A, a lot happened and we didn't have to wade through a lot of unnecessary dialogue or, or narration or anything like that. So I had um, I had uh, to catch up on this book. I had not read it in probably three months before we uh, talked about it tonight. And I think I had a very different experience reading it than Vince did because I went back and I reread so much of it. My biggest issue with this is just that I am really tired of there being like did, how can i say this it's not exactly like heel and face turns from slade but how many times in this book so far have slade and dinah <laughs> had conversations about like what their actual goals are here yeah that's happened a lot. there's been a lot of sort of wishy-washy what's actually happening here conversations and i don't think that any of them have been better than the first one was, which means that we're just sitting around repeating things that only are kind of working. And that's my big problem. I like the broad strokes of this. I think that Slade trying to consolidate power, like with the power vacuum of the uh, Legion of Doom, but also recognizing that the Legion of Doom probably went too far. Like all that stuff is, is, is fine by me. That's all. That's all perfectly good comic booking. I just feel like given how many times we've had almost this exact story in this series and the series is only six issues long so far, it just seems to me like maybe it's time to, and I'll say this, like maybe it's time to, to move off that train of thought. And it appears that that is exactly what's happening, but I've also thought that three or four times now. Sure. That that's my gripe with it. Um, I think the yeah. art here works. You know, I think that um, Pantelania's art is you know similar to Howard Porter in a way that makes the run feel somewhat cohesive. You know, we've talked in the past about how a a fill in artist can really break the the mojo of a of a run, and this certainly does not do that. But I will say, I don't think that this. I can't tell you any page or panel from this that I really truly like loved and appreciated in a way that I probably could have if it was Porter doing the art. This is this is a, a perfectly serviceable fill in for a few issues, but I think that's probably as much praise as I can heap on on the artwork. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just not my particular cup of meat to quote Bob Dylan. <laughs> um 
I want to hear from Zach about it, but then I want to circle back and talk about the 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 Slade uh, probable heel turn. But mm-hmm. but let's hear from Zach first. Um, I I mostly like the art. Okay, it's not like my favorite or anything, but um, I don't dislike it. I also I mentioned I said Carlos Don the earlier. Yeah, I also get like mild michael turner vibes too sure um, that's a pretty good call too yeah which i'm not like the biggest michael turner guy but i do kind of have a soft spot from him for him you know because of all the supergirl now <laughs> i was gonna make a joke what's that imprint that always uses his like uh, his covers still oh um, yeah um what, <laughs> what is that i can't even think of what it is yeah oh damn it um it's not Avatar, right? It's no, no, no. and it's no. not Zenoscope either. It's uh, no, no, no. It's um, this is a bad bit. I've already ruined it because I no, can't think of that, it. It's a good bit. Um, Does it start with an S? I. It's more. Yeah, hang on. I don't know. Fathom? Fathom? No. Well, that might be it. I think As- that's a comic. Aspen? No, it's Aspen. Aspen. It's Aspen. Aspen. Yeah. It's Aspen. You know, I'm such a big Aspen fan. Do you, um, you know who is legitimately a huge Aspen fan? No. Uh, Cena Grace. Really? Cena and I had like an hour long conversation about Aspen comics once. Interesting. Hmm. Well, um, I, I think the art is fine. I do like how quickly it moves. I don't particularly care for the heel turn just because I really like like sad dad deathstroke trying to be a good guy yeah I, you know i i like deathstroke in priest run basically had the same arc that boba fett in book of boba fett just had <laughs> and i liked both of those so um this would be like if book of boba fett season two has boba break bad again i'll be like oh no no he's nice now He's got kids and a and a and a baby Rancor. So Slade had had kids. You know, Power Girl's still out there somewhere. He's got to find her. Where's Power Girl, Mister Williamson? Yeah, answer me that before you go do all this Shadow War nonsense. Maybe that's the shit from uh, Dark Crisis issue two cover that's going to make us all flip our wigs. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. All uh, by all of us, he literally means just the three of us. Because <laughs> well, you know, just, I've I'm, never I'm heard anybody else talk about that. I'm more and more convinced that Williamson listens to the DC3 cast and is pandering. <laughs> there was something he's going to need to if he's been listening. Cause... Oh, it was the it was the cover, the Dark Crisis cover that has Batman and Deathstroke's faces merged yes, together. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's somebody somebody on the DC three cast Discord, uh patreon.com slash DC three cast, uh pointed that out to us and it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Convinced that he listens to the podcast, huge fan. He's just pandering to us now. I hope so. I'm a fan of his, even though the le- last couple of months I haven't liked some of the books. <laughs> but Yo, you you've done a little bit more than not like them, but uh I'm I'm <laughs> I'm trying to salvage something here. <laughs> Joshua, in case you're listening. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I, I like I like this. I definitely. Um, are do you have anything more, Zach? Otherwise, no, I want no, I do want to talk about the. So as far as this the Slade heel turn goes, 
I am I am loath to think too hardly about um, comics and how they relate to movies and TV because we know that they don't necessarily line up when it comes to Marvel and DC. I know they do certain things to try to like with Peacemaker, like, Hey, Peacemaker is a big thing on movies and streaming right now. We're going to flood the market with Peacemaker, even though most of it is not going to resemble the Peacemaker from the movies and TV. Right. So I'm, I try to think about this with Slade and, and whether I thought that this was an actual heel turn in earnest or not. Part of me wonders whether it's it's just getting Slade on the villains team for Dark Crisis because that team needed more popular villains, maybe. Um, part of me also wonders whether whether weirdly Deathstroke is not going to be the secret key to the villains downfall in that too. Like it would be the perfect opportunity to have him do like a covert villain turn end up on the villains team for dark crisis. And then by the end, you find out he's been working with the heroes the whole time. I don't know where you go with that character from that, but I do like that. Like, I don't, I don't know where that sets up Deathstroke comics going forward. Right. It's it, it just it's one of those things where they, they so clearly want to make him a complicated anti-hero type. A tweener. Somebody who's somebody who's, who's between heel and babyface to, to continue the wrestling metaphor. Sure. Yeah. Right. And so I don't know how a full heel turn serves that. So I'm 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 somewhat convinced that it's not going to be that. I think they. I think much like killing the Justice League, they need you to believe that that's what it is for a while. But I don't think that's the final destination of that character. Um, I also think that like in movies and TV, they're going to want to make him somewhat complex because you're not going to make a movie about a villain, you know? And I, I think if they, if, if they ever make a Deathstroke like starring vehicle, I think they would like to is my sense but we'll see i mean almost every major dc um universe has had a hint of deathstroke as of late so you've had deathstroke on arrow you have deathstroke on titans you have deathstroke in the snyder verse right so i feel like i don't know if they want I mean, I, I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if, if they wanted to do a movie with him, but I just think he works really well. He's one of the villains that is the most adaptable, even though he is. You know, it's it's funny because he's primarily a Teen Titans villain, but you don't have to just use him in that way. He works against Batman. He works against, so you know, so many other of these characters. So I, I think he's he's a really useful villain in the way that like. I don't know if the Marvel movies ever really had that kind of a character in them. Like somebody who who wasn't just obviously like Thanos is a different story, but like there weren't many people who showed up 
to fight Iron Man and then also showed up to fight Captain America in one of the Cap movies, right? Like, mm-hmm. they kind of kept their villains a little bit more siloed, whereas I feel like in this, and again, we know the Snyderverse is not being continued despite what many of our uh, friends on Twitter would like to think. Um, like, if you think about it, Batman v Superman had Lex Luthor as the primary villain, but Justice League had Darkseid, but also there was a Deathstroke thing there, but also Lex Luthor was still involved. I got the I got the impression there was going to be just sort of a more um less like hero specific villains and more just general these are the DC bad guys. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that Slade could fit into that pretty well still. Um but that has nothing to do with this comic. Any other thoughts on this comic? <laughs> uh, when does Shadow War start? Is that uh, is that May or April? April, I believe. April, okay. It might even be the end of March, actually. Hmm. Yeah. I know next month starts the World War III. Or, is that what it's called? No, the Earth Three War. <laughs> War for Earth Three, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that started next month, and uh, I think this starts like right after that. And I think Shadow War starts pretty much right after that ends, or somewhere in that ballpark. Sure. All right. Well, let's jump over to uh, the next installment of Shadows of the Bat, Detective Comics number ten fifty four, written by Mariko Tamaki and illustrated by Max Rayner. Zach didn't read this, so Vince, what'd you think of it? I'm a big goof. I totally forgot. And I also realized that I still need to go back and read the last issue from the episode that I missed. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, I'm yeah, like huh. totally out of it. You got some work to do. I do. Um, it I is mean, funny though, I will say really quick that I did try to like flip through the like beginning to start. I like I was like, oh, I can catch up on this um really quick. And I could not tell that I had missed an issue until like halfway through. So exactly. I'll say that. Yep. You still wouldn't if you read the whole, th- if you never went back and read that other issue, you would feel the same way. Um, I mean, what can I say? Like, I'm just going to echo what I've said before. This is all very competently done, but there's absolutely nothing here that comes as any surprise or, piques the reader's interest or, or, or brings them along wondering what's going to happen next. You know, what's going to happen next. Yeah. Something does happen in this issue, Brian, you're right. Everything kind of comes to a head and the, the inmates, the inmates run the asylum by the end of it, but we all knew that was happening. Like, right. we, well, yes. Uh, so uh, you're, you're referring to something that we talked about off air, um, which was that, Vince had said to Zach, you didn't miss anything with oh, this. Oh, well, that was off air. <laughs> yes. And, and, I, and I had said, no, something actually happened this week. And the only thing I was referring to in that, Zach, do you want to like log off for a second while I spoil this or no? I literally could not care less. Go okay. for it. The thing I was going to say was we, you know, Psycho Pirate is taken down because Dick basically like fights against his programming. And we're never really told how Dick can do that other than just he's Dick fucking Grayson. And that's what, like, you know, well, no, no. Um, Psycho Pirate literally follows it up by saying there's too many people to control now. And too that's many why, dicks on the dance floor. Yes. Yeah. And that's why <laughs> Dick is able to break because 
But but you with, let the imp- with, you let you let the impression that that if that was anybody else there, that wouldn't have been a problem. No, <laughs> he says, I can't, I can't. Psycho Pirate keeps saying, I can't, I can't to himself. And then he follows up by saying, There's too many people I can't see. Okay, I, I read on the that, dance floor. <laughs> I read that differently because Dick is very um purposely calling him Psycho Pirate. And like you can see you can see it breaking. For well, his Dick. hold is breaking, Brian. I, we know his hold is breaking, yes. But I, I feel like you see it breaking for Dick before it's before Psycho Pirate like fully melts down. Well, that that I mean yes, but it's nothing, Dick. It's not it's because he's in the room with Dick. It's not that Dick has a super brain. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was a super. I, I wasn't implying he had a super brain. The um, comic that you guys are ex- describing sounds far more interesting, I'm sure, <laughs> than the actual thing was. You're not wrong about that. The comic I'm imagining in my mind. Um, but regardless of any of that, I just felt like Dick breaking the spell and us getting close to being where we were when this fucking thing started is a good thing. Like we are much closer to the status quo of that first issue that we all really liked than we than than we have been since this started. So I feel like yes. this was a positive issue for that reason even if that's, you know, somewhat uh grading on a curve here and generously grading on a curve at that. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. I mean there is technically nothing wrong with this. It's just the same thing I was praising it for, for the first two, three, maybe four issues. It's like deliberate pace as a weekly comic is the thing that I am regretting now. (laughs) That's all. Sure. Um, And I think, and I think back when I said that I predicted that that would happen anyway, I, I said like, just wait, I'll get tired of this. Um, it's just the nature of the beast. Uh, I will say to, to be a little bit more positive about this. I was thinking back while I was reading this to the, um, the, uh, I can't remember if it was a, it was a Batman annual or a tech annual or some kind of one shot where it kind of set up this story. Um, and Bruce was in it, like sitting on that park bench. Remember? Yeah, was that was the Dave David Lapham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Was that an annual or what was that? I can't remember. That was um. Was that in the Tech Ten Twenty Seven? Maybe like oversized issue. No, Could be. that was further back, wasn't it? Wait, what issue of Tech are we on right now? 1054 so it couldn't have okay been yeah that was way That's... that was way back ago yeah. it was on um doesn't matter well, re- regardless it doesn't matter um but i was just thinking about how we had a conversation back then about whether bruce was going to be in this or not you know and and now i'm pretty convinced he won't be at all even in the final uh, third of it or whatever and i like that i like that idea at the beginning of this issue you've got babs and kate and Cass and stuff and and you realize oh they're the you know and i guess dick too but like i don't know dick has had a weird role in this he's had a less active role than any of the other ones well he's been we've undercover got, for a lot of it 
along that's with Huntress. I'm, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, yeah, like he's not taking point in the same way that these other that the other members of the Bat family are. And I like that. I like I like this uh, this group of women as kind of the heroes of this. And it's nice to have a story involving them um, without Bruce interference or anything like that. Um, yeah, that it's, it's, it's nice that this is happening, even if I don't like, I'm not head over heels for it. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, I, I did want to note that I think Max Rayner is doing perfectly cromulent work here. Not quite crumpulent, but crumpulent work. Um, but I will say that sometimes I, I, I don't love his action. Like there's a, the, the scene at the end where Steph is like she's undercover and she sort of jumps into action. It just looks very posed. A lot of the action stuff and it's not quite as fluid as I would have hoped for those sequences. But that's that's a relatively small complaint with Rainer's work. Uh, the downside of Zach not reading this issue is I know Vince didn't read the backup, so I have to talk Absolutely about the backup not. by myself now, which was excellent this week. Um, so last issue, we got a little bit of time or maybe two issues ago with um, Jason as Robin, and we do a time skip here and we get not just Tim as Robin, but Asriel as Batman here. I didn't and, see that. Yeah. And um, I have to say, like, it's it's done pretty well. It's it's over the top. Like the Asriel in this is probably more of a dick than Asriel ever was in uh, Nightfall a proper. Like he's just like over the top shithead here, but it really works and it, it pushes the story along in a really nice way. I did. I did flip by and saw that costume and and was a little bit blown away <laughs> by it. There is nothing like that terrible Nightfall costume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, terrible! Yeah. Okay. No, I mean it's. I love that costume, but it's not very well designed. Like it's. It's not. Sometimes you look at the back costume. Like that's really. That's really nicely designed. It's very sleek, and you know, uh, you can see how it would work in shadow. And <laughs> this is just like a gaudy ring. Yeah. You know, no, it's. It's great because it's like it exemplifies the 90s so perfectly. It looks like there was like a line of Batman action figures that had no connection to anything else. There was yep. like there was like polar freeze Batman. And yeah, I had one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It looks like it could have been straight out of there. And to me, that's beautiful. <laughs> I agree. Well, let's take a break and when we return we'll talk about our final two books of the week uh and uh we're gonna have some so some thoughts on these two books i think so uh stay tuned hello everybody my name is mike and i'm greg and together we are robots from tomorrow a twice weekly podcast appearing at multiversitycomics.com each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on wednesday that are worth your attention and each month we dissect the previous catalog we also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like dan Klaus' ghost world and jack kirby and mike royer's commanding and if that's not enough we also do creator interviews some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature mike mignola leila del duca sean martinborough emma Beebe, and greg rucka so that's a lot of content for everybody please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow and iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we are back to talk about The Human Target, number four, number five, rather, written by Tom King, illustrated by Greg Smallwood. 
so my first note here is oh yeah it's a tom king book after all (laughs) this issue really leans into all of the things that tom king had not been leaning into in this book and so i've been enjoying this book uh, a fair amount and this issue was painful to get through because of the tom kingness of it all it it still was not as bad as any issue of like um whatever that adam strange book strange adventures was or uh the bat cat stuff but this this issue just turned the tom kingness up to a point where i could no longer enjoy it as much as uh i have been he's he's really gunning for me too because he brought in the legion of superheroes Barely. I mean, a legion of superheroes characters in the book. That yes. is true. Yeah. Uh, did you guys have a similar reaction to me? Zach? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's uh, it's not great, Bob. Were you enjoying this book before this? I mean... I'll be honest, I only read that first issue and I never touched it again and I enjoyed that first issue well enough. <laughs> Vince, what about you? I'm shocked because I really like this. Wow. I really liked this. Um, it, you're right. It did, especially compared to issues prior, it did have a, a little more of the Tom King. A little? But yes, a little. Um but I don't think, I mean, here's where, here, here's where, here's where it does have a little bit of that. There's a little bit more of the repetition in the dialogue or the narration where a little bit, yes, a little bit. Yes. It's not nearly as bad as, as anything else he's done in that regard. And the thing about it is at least like in this issue, every one of these characters reasonably sounds like the character that they are supposed to be. Um, they're not using vernacular that would be outside of their character. They're not trying to be too cute with their dialogue. They're not like um, doing little banter with one another that, that no human being would ever say to another human being, you know, there, there, there is a little bit of the, the repetition from, from King that we know, and there's a little bit of the um, kind of like the, the, the structure of the issue is a little too cute, I think, as far as like yes. how many times we're flashing around to this. But, but at the same time, I, if this were a book by a writer that we didn't already intimately know their work, it that flashing back and forth wouldn't wouldn't be notable, I think, because of what the issue is about. You know, the issue is about um, Emra sort of teaching um, Christopher Chance how to deal with mind reading and and actually do a little mind reading himself and like block certain memories out and things like that. And so, you know, because of the premise, the structure works better than when Tom King does it for no reason. You know, there's other comics where, where he's doing that thing. And it's like, you are doing this for no other reason than to 
disorient the reader into thinking that you wrote Pulp Fiction or something like that, you know? Um, here it's at least done with utility. And I appreciate that. Now, I don't love this. I'm not like over the moon, but it is, I, honestly, it is so much better than anything else King has written for DC, I think, since Omega Men. And even that has like a, an amount of unreliable narrator to it because it's been so long. And I, and we refuse I went, to go back. <laughs> yeah. If I go back, I could easily hate that book and not know it. Um, but I honestly think if you try to read the first issue again, you, you wouldn't be able to make it past the rest of the series. I, <laughs> I don't doubt you. I, I do not doubt you. Uh, so, so then maybe in that regard, this is the best thing he's ever done for DC. And I think, you know, you're, you're right. There is a little bit more of the Tom King breaking through here, but, but I think like, it's not annoying in, in it's in the utility of like the Tom King isms. It's not being annoying. It's doing it for a reason. Now you don't have to like that reason or you don't have, you can, you can just not like the tick to begin with, but I can at least appreciate that it's being done for a reason. And I think, I think this really is avoiding some of his really annoying tendencies, you know, Nobody is singing. I could totally see somebody in this issue like whistling or singing to themselves as as he's going about his mind reading exercises or whatever. No, instead they're just saying pass the salt 400 times. But that's 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 like that's like the top in um, Inception. Inception. Yeah, that it's 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 a totem. You know, it's a it's just a recurring. And and I understand that, Mm -hmm. but it was done so much that and here's the other thing like you said if this was a book written by you know Kam ting a new writer who we never seen before <laughs> like i probably would have felt it was rep- it was repetitive but i wouldn't have like it wouldn't have grinded my gears <laughs> the way this grinds my gears to, to quote one of vince's heroes um <laughs> just gonna leave that where it is um but uh Sorry about your Packers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it, it just it, it, it seems to me like and again, <laughs> when you know, it's very hard to unknow something. Right. So when you know that Tom King is a repetitive schmuck, that's that's harsh. That's hurtful. When he writes like a repetitive schmuck uh, that like it's just going to it's just going to get in. It's just going to get stuck on my craw easier. But I do think that this issue plays those beats a little bit too often like i don't think there's anything wrong with those beats i just think that it would have been far more effective if those beats happened half as many times as they happened in this issue um especially because there are a lot of things in in this that are supposed to 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 trip you up a little bit like you know Wait a minute! Now it's it's no longer ice; it's fire now with Christopher Chance in bed. No, wait! It's not Christopher Chance; it's Martian Manhunter. Like, there's a lot of those sort of like little hallucination things that maybe you're mind reading stuff, and maybe it's just sort of a fear, whatever. Like all that is, and I think all that can be interesting, but I think when you couple that with all the repetition, it just starts to feel like okay, you're 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 obfuscating a thin a thin bit of plot here by doing all of this repetition repetition and all of this hand waving to distract me from what I'm actually looking at here. That's what I really felt here was that 
And I again, much like um, Deathstroke Inc., I had fallen behind on this book, so I read this not quite in one sitting, but in a couple of sittings, I read the entire. Went back and read the first issue again too, or the entire miniseries. Man, and, I can't imagine what it's like to have that much time to read comics. I'm just kidding. I read all of Jeff Lemire's Green Arrow this yeah, weekend. I was, I, was, I was just going to say. So I read six issues of a comic here. Um, I'm just fucking. I also, I, also I, didn't. I was having sex. So oh, please. Uh, I, I also uh, I also don't play video games. Don't forget. So all the hours you play video games, I'm not doing. I that. did not play video games at all this weekend. There's no time for that. Yeah, right. I did not. Um. Anyway, my my point before I was so rudely interrupted by my co-host was oh, yeah. um, that having read all of this in relatively quick succession, I think that also made this issue stand out more because I was I, I can't believe how much I was doing the Vince McMahon gif of just like each issue. I was getting more and more into this. And I really like I love a book that calls itself a mystery and is actually a mystery. And there is an actual mystery to solve here, not like in comics where the mystery is, you know, when, when I feel like so many times in superhero comics, they're just so telegraphed. And the mystery is that we have to watch the hero solve something that we have solved already. And this has some like actual twists and turns in it. And I think it's it's by far the best thing King has done since Rebirth, if not from before then. So I, you know, I am I was really high on this. And so that's part of maybe why I had a stronger reaction to this because I had been because because an hour before I read this issue, I was walking around saying like, well, shit, I'm going to have a lot of good stuff to say on the podcast this week about Human Target because this run is just firing on all cylinders right now. And then I read that that issue and it's just like, oh, God, fucking Tom King doing his bullshit again. You know, you're a sicko. I I do I do maybe wonder how I would have responded to this issue if I had gone back and read the whole thing. I I who can imagine having time for that, right? Uh, who can imagine? Also, I didn't want to read this book this week, so I didn't pick it. So that's not on me. Uh, <laughs> I did, and I'm glad I did. Uh, it was me. I was actually surprised. We usually don't touch a Tom King book. Except for the first and the last issue, it's very weird to uh... because we all like the first issue. Yeah, yeah. If we didn't like that first issue, we'd never, uh, never have read this again. It's it's the Supergirl thing. We we never Uh, read a Supergirl issue after that first one because we didn't like it. It's still just weird to me. It is weird. You're right. It's Um, weird. It's weird that I liked this. It's weird weird. that I still liked issue five. (laughs) I will. I will say to Brian's point, and this is partially on DC's publishing model and partially on Tom King. Um, these issues have been like 20, 26, 28 pages or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I wish, I mean, I wish every comic was the standard 20 pages because <laughs> I just want to read less. Um, but I think it would, can you I hear think, the love of the medium? Just yeah. 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 Off yeah. Of his voice, folks. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of reasons why that's better for the medium, but we don't have to get into it. That's true. Um, I, I just, I do think a 20 page limit would have forced King to maybe, cause I do agree the repetition is there for a reason, but he does maybe take it a little too far or, or use it a little bit too much to try to get to the 20. Cause 
you don't really fully understand what happened in this issue until the the last four or five pages. La- yeah, yeah, like the last that last scene, right? And so I think to get to that last scene, he had to, you know, do maybe maybe just a couple repetitions too much to pad it out. And that's not good. There should be a different way around it. But I kind of think that's what we were dealing with there. Because as I was reading this, I thought this feels long. And then I counted the pages and it was 28 pages or whatever. And I, I, I imagine there's a way to shore this up to 20 and still still hit all those notes he needed to hit to get the reader to understand what was going on without some of that repetition. But yes. then it would then it's a different comic. So it's not the comic we have in front of us. But it's probably a better comic. You're right. And the one thing that we should be saying here that we haven't said and shame on us for not saying it is just how good Greg Smallwood is on this book. It's easily the best part of the book. No doubt. Uh, this issue had the least amount of ice that we've seen after the first issue, probably. And his ice is just fantastic. I, I think ice is one of those characters that you recognize her because she has a relatively unique like costume and look or whatever. But there's nothing about ice's face that I think a lot of writers can hone in on and make her feel like a unique character. And I feel like Smallwood instantly gives her more personality and expression in her face than any artist has done for her in many, many years. And I think that uh, Smallwood has done a really good job of showing the sort of flirting between the two characters in a way that it sort of seems like both of them are maybe playing the other one just a little bit. And while none of that is like, like a lesser artist would show that in a really in a way that makes it look not like they're being sneaky because people are just very bad at drawing subtlety, especially like subtle emotions that aren't anger or lust. And so, but Smallwood does such a good job of just showing these characters for, um, you, you get the sense that, that, that something is, is amiss, but it's not beating over the head with it. It's a really, really well-drawn comic and i'm glad to see smallwood who i've liked for a long time i'm really glad to see him get on a tom king book is a problem means he'll get a nice new nod <laughs> yeah and it's it's wild because I've, I've seen other artists who do this sort of thing where they're doing like a throwback look or, or you know minimalism and then you do miss out on the subtle detail right but smallwood does both like some of these panels are, are really minimal. It's just somebody holding a salt shaker or somebody holding a gun or just somebody's eyes. But you're right. The subtle expressions, the subtle details are all there. And, and it's like, it's like if, if you, okay, if you really zoom in on some of the stuff that he's drawing, like the hair or like the musculature on, Martian Manhunter's arms all the, they're like little squiggles <laughs> but you pull back and it makes like a completely detailed picture it, it's a, every line is exactly where it should be even if sometimes they look like squiggles <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> yep. it's, it's crazy um, like just like one of the details I noticed is that when Martian Manhunter's like 
curled up in bed and, and saying, that's not me. I'm someone else. The shading on him, it's just a bunch of like, it looks like thick marker uh, lines, you know, but it, it all comes together to make this perfectly defined body for this character. Um, like every little choice he makes is, is the right one. It feels. Yeah, I completely agree. This is this is a fantastic looking book, and uh, I really, really feel like uh, this book could could still turn out to be the best thing Tom King's done at DC in a very long time if he just tightens it up. And I think that part of this is also like you know, uh, when someone is in recovery, you want them to change their people, places, and activities, and all that. And I feel like when you put Tom King in a story that needs repetition, he just goes back to his old uh, to his old habits and can't break them. So I hope that future issues won't have the opportunity for him to dig as deep into his wheelhouse as maybe he had in this issue. Hmm. Um, all right. Well, that's it for that book. We have one more book to talk about, which is Teen Titans Academy number 12, written by Tim Sheridan, illustrated by Tom Derenick. And um, can I start this one off, boys? Yeah. Okay, so uh, anyone who listens to this knows I'm the Teen Titans boy, knows how high I've been on this run. And I have to say this season finale, if we're calling it that, really fell short for me uh, for a lot of reasons. I did not think that the Red X reveal was particularly revelatory, and I cannot wait to hear who Zach thought it was. Because, <laughs> uh, off air, Zach looked through this book and was like, oh, I, th- I thought it was somebody really interesting. And it's not. We'll get to that in a minute. But I did not think that the Red X reveal was worth like all the hype that had been thrown at it in this run, that was like compounded by an even lamer Red X reveal, which is that like the second Red X is still around and he's still a bastard or whatever. Um, This whole thing just felt very rushed. And this book has felt like very jam-packed. We talked before about how how jam-packed this book has felt, but it's never felt rushed to me. It's felt like I wish there was more time to go back and take a look at some of this stuff but never at the fault the story the the central story never hurt because of how much stuff was here but this issue tries to pack a whole lot in here and it feel and, and important and the same thing of, instead of last issue too we're like last issue we saw the shazam family say shazam and then we never saw them transform and there are similar things in this issue where it just feels like the corners had to be cut to not show us certain things and uh, certain things seem rushed. And just overall, this did not, this to me, does, the last two issues do not live up to what the first 10 were. Now, the book is not ending. And so this will only be, you know, hopefully a footnote in what's a longer run of this book. But it, it just felt like it was both too neat and too sloppy, too rushed, and maybe not enough meat on the bone. But ultimately, the Red X thing is is just did not land for me at all. Uh, Zach, who did you think the Red X was? So I saw Brick and thought Bunker. But we saw Bunker like a page before that doing stuff. It doesn't it doesn't matter. I was flipping through the book when I okay, first okay. saw it. Like okay. I just flipped through the page. Like I didn't we, pay any attention to the rest of the book. We, um, we saw Brick in other issues of this that that like would also make you think that he wasn't red x so yes 
you know, so I don't blame Zach for picking somebody who was also <laughs> right, right, who was yeah involved yeah. in the story. You know, yeah, yeah. I just turned to the page, I saw the reveal of Brick, and forgot actually that Brick was even a character for a second, and my mind just went to Bunker. Uh, so, so yeah, that's what happened. And I and I can't remember who I th- I I can't remember who I thought it was, but um, I saw the red hair. And I thought it was like a previously red haired, um, like, like Titans or young character in the DC universe that we hadn't seen yet. I I didn't think it was just one of the students that we had seen before, you know, I'm going to say, so that reveal and kind of just this book in general, and maybe this is just on me. I don't know. I've read every issue. I have a hard time remembering who any of these characters are, especially when they're just talking about them by name, unless it's like, you know, stitch. stitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless it's like stitch or Tubi. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe the backpack, uh, maybe the backpack, but even Gorilla then, like, Greg, come on. You're just yeah. talking about Matt and brick. I think. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's, Matt, that's true. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Now there are like some other people. Hold on, I'll I'll tell you specifically. There was like one page when they were talking about a bunch of people, and I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are. Let me find it. You guys can talk amongst yourselves. So sure. let's talk about this for a minute. Yeah, I think I felt the same as you, Brian. But I will say, I I love this series, but this issue didn't feel like an issue of this series. That's a right? perfect way to say it. Yes. Yeah, it, like previous issues of the series we've talked about, they feel almost overstuffed so that that they're they're giving you all this good stuff constantly. And the whole time I'm worried, oh, God, we're not going to spend enough time with any of this stuff. And I, I want to see more of every little thing that's happening here. This is great. You know, and then I read this issue and I think, oh, this feels like the most conventional issue of a DC comic ever where like just one or two things is happening for the whole issue. They're blowing, they're blowing up teen Titans Academy in issue 12, which again is like, we, we kind of grumbled a little when they got through their first semester in like six issues or something. Right. Yeah. This feels like that to me too. Like, okay, you get to issue 12 and now the school is like blown up and, and, uh, Starfire's promising to rebuild it. Like they, they somewhat address that though. They, they say like, this is what we do. We rebuild stuff. Like, right. It just, it felt like a finale the way that she was talking. You know what I mean? Yes. Agreed. Yes. And I don't okay. go ahead. Okay. I was maybe exaggerating a little bit, but it is, it's Matt and brick. And then there's a part where I guess Matt, who again, I, I, I remember who Matt was later but he says mark and jolie and who knows who else are dead i'm like who are mark and jolie (laughs) and who else are who who else could there be everyone else that i think is in this book is in this issue (laughs) so yeah i was exaggerating a little bit but also not (laughs) yeah um no, I mean you're you're yeah, you're you're not completely wrong. Um but I think you know, for as overstuffed as this series is with 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 good stuff, then to put out an issue like this purportedly 
doing a red X reveal, except not really because there's another red X out there, (laughs) which is the villain red X, the villain red X, the prior red X, um, which I'm still uh, refresh me because they say that that is the that brick was the fourth red X and the, this the is third. the third red the X. Brick was the third. That's the second. Dick is the first. I could have swore that they said that. Okay, uh, maybe I just misread. Yeah. So so anyway, I just you know, this issue kind of uh, abandons the idea that that the Teen Titans Academy has all these. No, they say brick they say, is the they, fourth they, red X. They say fourth. Yeah, I remember that. Really, and Jesus. That, they say, and that this guy is the second one. So who's the third one? Um. Well, Dick is one of them, and and wasn't one of the other Robins? Hang on, oh, God, I can't believe I it's got to be your up. bull. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. Dick Grayson number two was unknown. Number three. Wasn't wasn't like Tim or Jason briefly Red X. See, I don't think we ever had any any clarification on that. Oh, I wish I would have looked this up before right now because I'm pretty I wonder if it's a gaff, like a like a No, it's not. It's not. I know uh Anyway, what I was saying about this book is um, uh, you know, it had all these like juggling plot lines or at least the, the, at least the illusion of such a thing. And this issue really just feels like one thing and it, and it kind of feels like a conclusion. Um, I'm sorry. I'm looking here. <laughs> No, I, I think that I think that's very true. I had written in my notes that this feels like a finale. And don't forget, we had been told uh, in an interview by Sheridan on, on a lesser website, the multiversitycomics.com, that this was going to be um, the tw- he was going to be off the book as of issue 12. And so this was, I think, fully intended to be the 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 season finale of some sort of this book. But it feels a little rushed, though. Still, it does. It definitely does. Well, it's so, weird. I I wonder if there are certain things that got editorially moved around. That you know, yeah. It feels very weird that we got that like bat pack two parter. <laughs> yes. Now. Even though even though I really enjoyed those, uh, I, they were good. Yeah. And I'll also say that that also had that great Steve Lieber art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, those were excellent for that reason. Um, isn't it wild that we might be getting the cyborg changeling mashup from Futures in or Future State? State? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of Future State things seemingly really being led in, being leaned into here. Um, and that's that's a really fun one, I think. Um, yeah. Anything else about this book, boys? Uh, I'm I'm interested to see where the story goes next. I did not like this episode, this issue. I thought it was really mid, um, pretty disappointing. Five out of ten, max. 
Yeah, uh, see, that. okay, Jason Todd has been Red X, but not officially in the comics. <laughs> so I'm wondering if that's what they're referring to. Because they say here, Brick's actually the fourth Red X, which the Bat Pack found out the night he tried to recruit us. So it's almost like maybe we're all getting that information for the first time or, but I wonder if, I wonder if because DC has been trying to do the, like everything kind of happened, maybe even animated series stuff. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, I wonder if that's, if that's what's going on or maybe it is a mistake, but it wouldn't surprise me if we learned that Jason was in Canon, the, the third red X. Sure. Briefly. Sure. For for no reason. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I love the idea of Teen Titans Academy so much. And just the execution kind of fizzled out by the end. The art didn't help either. Because I think like Derenick is, Derenick is fine. He'll get the job done. But it's, again, it's not that special Teen Titans Academy feel. No, the last two issues have very much felt like rushed fill-in jobs. Yeah. In in almost every way. On the first couple of pages of this bunker looks like a full-on like adult. Does not look like <laughs> a bunker teen or brick? Titan. Bunker. Okay. Bunker is probably an adult by now, right? I don't know. He should be in the I guess maybe Tim is right. How old is Tim supposed well, to be? He, he is like the uh, I want to say, yeah, he's probably the, the Tim Bart Cassie yeah. like group there. And they're probably around 18 because like what wasn't it that Tim was just graduating from high school or whatever in. Yes. Yeah. In Tynion's run. Yeah. OK, so he is probably technically an adult. Well, Someone else is an adult is Vince, and he's going to tell us what books come out next week. Um, Stalling for just a second. Next week being 3-1. Correct, yes. Arkham City, Order of the World, number six. Batman, number 121. Batman, Killing Time, number one. Uh, Dark Knights of Steel, number five. Detective Comics, 1055. Justice League, number 73. Justice League Incarnate, number five, Monkey Prince, two, One Star Squadron, number four, Suicide Squad, 13, um, Trial of the Amazons, number one, War for Earth, three, number one, and World of Krypton, number four. Did we miss Nubia and the Amazons, number six? There's no way of knowing. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like number five came out not long ago. I thought that was supposed to wrap up before the War of the Amazons, but I could be wrong about that. Nubian and the Tra- Amazons Tra- is an ongoing, right? No, it's not a six-issue miniseries. I thought it was running through Trials of the Amazons. I don't think so. Uh, check. I'd check on that. Then maybe the last issue comes out during Trial of the Amazons, but I'm almost positive that's a six-issue miniseries. Hold on, I'll check the. I'll check the tape. Okay. Uh, while he's doing that, you can find two thirds of us on Twitter. He is at Wilker Fox. It's an I'm, unforgettable miniseries from Vita Ayala and Stephanie uh, Williams. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. And if you need to find Vince on there, 
he is uh let's see what's he doing today he is he is starting a new uh youtube series that is not called grinding my gears it's called uh let's see um what really uh what really turns my crank there we go (laughs) yeah uh he he's both turning his crank and telling you what turns his crank in this new video (laughs) series it's very adult very mature uh zach any, any word on this uh, so Nubia and the Amazons number six is part of Trial of the Amazons. I'm having trouble finding the checklist, though. I'm I'm almost positive that's the last issue of the series. Uh, might be. All I know is it is an unforgettable miniseries. You guys, you guys stall for a second. So... Nubia and the Amazons number six is the final issue. Yes, issue six of okay. six. Um, so anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back next week with uh, talk about Child of the Amazons and some more stuff. So the, uh, the the hint is that Wonder Woman is not allowed more than one ongoing series. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> God, I'm punching myself in the cock right now. <laughs> this this fucking story. <laughs> It just keeps going. I want to cry, actually. <laughs> Did you look at it yet? No, I'm about to. Oh, I'm just man. scrolling through, scrolling through, scrolling through. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I'm going. <laughs> look at the caption. Look at the caption for next issue, too. <laughs> Oh, oh come on! <laughs> I want to fucking die. Malibu Space Stacy's new hat. Bullshit. <laughs> the fuck I'm, is I'm this? I'm going. Hold on. I'm coming. I'm coming. Hold on. <laughs> whoa, whoa! No, oh, that kind of <laughs> that kind of night. That's, that'd be funny. If that's not, how he always not. says it. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Hold on. I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> Very. Impatient. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs>